Now, in case you were trying to listen carefully to all the words that were spoken in the readings and the responsorial psalm, uh, you weren't imagining that was Spanish you were hearing. And um, uh, that's because our school is a dual language school, or one of the, I think, few Catholic schools. I don't know if there's a, around 20 maybe through the whole archdiocese. And um, the closest one that I know is over in Alhambra, which was kind of a model for us. That's a three-language school. Uh, they also have Chinese as well as Spanish and English. And um, so that a person that enters our school in kinder or first grade, by eighth grade, they'll be able to read, write, and speak Spanish. Uh, that's pretty darn good, and we're very blessed to have this dual school, and thank you to Ms. Montiel for um, shepherding us through this. Um, how many people here believe in the chupacabra? Okay. Okay. How many believe in a boogeyman? Any boogeyman believers? Uh, what's the equivalent in uh, the Philippines? It's some, a ghost, I think. What's, what, what's that called, the, the Philippine uh, equal of a boogeyman or woman? Well, whatever. There's a, some ghost, I think, in the Philippines. The reason I'm saying this is because the Word of God is really beautiful today, but a few things have to be taken care of. And the first one is what I call it, it's like a boogeyman approach to faith. Uh, in the book of Deuteronomy, the first reading, it said that God was speaking, and he said, I am sending people to speak in my name, and I am going to tell them what to say. But at the very end, he says, and if they don't say what I told them to say, or if they say something that other gods are saying instead of me, they will surely die. Oh my God, really? Is God going to kill them because they didn't speak his word? I don't believe that. And I know that's what the word says. And you say, but Father, it says it in the Bible. Yeah, it's, it's the boogeyman approach because um, when God is speaking and, and when the Bible is trying to tell us to follow the commands of the Lord, it often throws in a threat. And I think that is just to do a boogeyman thing to us. <clears throat> so, for example, uh, for those who believe in the chupacabra, you better go clean up your room right now or the chupacabra is coming in and is going to bite you. Well, it works for some. And I, I think good parenting doesn't do that as much today, but when I was a kid, we heard about the boogeyman and we were told that. And you grow out of it. There comes a time when you no longer believe in the chupacabra or the boogeyman. But the Word of God says it that way because it's seeing it urgent for us to become a people of faith who listen to the Word of God and who even speak the Word of God to one another. Now, I believe that as that reading says, I will send these people out to you who will speak my Word. That's every one of us. Every one of us is supposed to speak the Word of God. And, and not just in words and actions. So if Jesus says we should love one another, we shouldn't just say, hey, we should love one another. We should love one another. We should do it. We should be Nike Christians. Just do it. Just do it. Live the Word of God. So Paul takes this to an extreme. Paul believed that Jesus was coming in his second coming which we still talk about today, one day Jesus will come again and he will take up all of creation and give it to the Father. So we believe that.
But Paul believed it was going to happen soon. And he believed that so much, he gave some advice in that second reading today. He said, you know, if you're not married, you're a man and you're not married, you have time to be anxious about the concerns of God. You can pay attention to God. But if you get married, you better pay attention to your wife. And that's where you're going to be anxious. And if you're a woman, you're not married, you can have time to listen to God and pour out your attention to God. But if you get married, you got a man to take care of. So, and I'm not trying to tell you what to do, but I'm just saying, just saying, if you're not married, I recommend you don't get married. Just saying. Well, that's pretty extreme advice, but that's where his head was at. That's what he believed. And so he was trying to get people to see how urgent it is, urgent, to listen to God's Word and, and to do the, the work of God in our lives, share the kingdom of God among us. In the first reading, once again, God sent people, and he said, I'm going to speak to them and tell them what to say, because it's urgent. But we come to the gospel. This is a very interesting one. Now, the, there's a, about six weeks in ordinary time after Christmas before we come to Lent. In case you, this is a little lesson in liturgy, um, the green season, ordinary time, this is every part of the year except Advent Christmas and Lent Easter. Those are two special times. And Advent and Lent prepare for the feasts of Christmas and Easter. All the rest is green, ordinary time. But it's not ordinary. It's, it's extraordinary if you think about it and you listen to the Word of God. And um, just yesterday, Saturday morning, we had the scriptures of Jesus. He's asleep in the boat, and a huge storm comes up. And uh, the, the apostles are scared to death, so they wake him up. He's sleeping through the storm, and they wake him up and say, don't you care that we're about to drown? Can't you do something? So Jesus says, why are you so terrified? Why are you so fearful? And he commanded the sea to stop and to become calm. Commanded the winds to stop, and everything become calm. And they were astonished and amazed, and they said, even... The winds and the sea obey him. Who is he? And of course, every time that question is asked, who is he, we know the answer. Well, that's Jesus Christ, the Son of God. But that's why it's written for us, so that we echo that answer that they can't see in the story, but we can see outside the story. So right after that comes this gospel. And it's a great scene. Jesus uh, went to Capernaum with his uh, apostles, disciples, and he was in the synagogue uh, teaching and preaching. And there was a man in there who had an evil spirit. He was possessed and he was shrieking and saying awful things. And um, so the man comes up to Jesus in front of everybody <clears throat> with this evil spirit in him and says, We know who you are. Why have you come here to destroy us? I know you. You're the, you're the son of God. And uh, Jesus says, Be quiet. Come out of this man. And the evil spirit, it convulsed the man. He went into kind of a fit, maybe fell down, and the evil spirit left with a big shriek, and the man was okay. And so once again, what was the reaction of everybody? They were amazed. They were astonished. Who is he? How does he speak with such authority? Where did he get this? 
And, and it said that from then on, his fame went everywhere. But here's the problem. I don't think Jesus wanted to be famous. He didn't want people to be impressed with him. He wanted people to believe in him. He wanted people to hear his words and take them into their hearts. You know, I don't have a great memory. If, if, you know, I go to memorize a line and I forget half of it, so I have to go back and read it all the time. And believe me, it gets worse as you get older, let me tell you. But um, uh, there are people with fantastic memories who can memorize whole pieces of the Scripture. And they can, you can say Matthew 25, and then I do know that Matthew 25 is the scene in the judgment seat when Jesus says, you, I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I, uh, when you did it to the least, you did it to me. I, but, I, but I can't quote it word for word. There are people that can. But that doesn't mean they believe it just because they can quote it. And that doesn't mean they live it. And they can say it with passion. But the question is, do you live it? Do you love that word? Has the word not only entered your brain, but your heart, and where we have all those feelings and emotions and, and those passions inside that say, I want to follow you, Jesus. I want to do what you say. I want to believe in your word. It is urgent. You came to give us the kingdom of God, and, and it's urgent for us to hear it. And I tell you, when we hear it, everything changes. I'll tell you, when I was a priest, uh, became a priest 47 years ago, um, I only got to preach every third Sunday because I was in a parish where my pastor was one of those pastors who said, you'll celebrate Mass every weekend, but only one priest will preach all the Masses. And I don't know what the purpose of that was. I guess it was he didn't have to prepare so much. I'm not sure. But all I know is I didn't like it. Because I would come to celebrate the Mass and then somebody else would go up and preach. And it felt like, that's my job. What, what are they doing? I used to think this. And, and look at this church. What, we got about 500, 600 people in here, I'd say. Do you realize the, the gift that a, that a priest or preacher, a deacon might feel at looking at 600 people and say, I get the chance Right now, I get the opportunity to unpack this Word of God, to tell you what Jesus said and what it means. And what if only one person out of 600 hears it and their life is changed? Wow, that is an awesome thing to be able to do. It's for me, is the most precious thing I've got as a priest, the chance to preach the Word of God. It's incredible. And so today, urgently, the Word of God is saying, don't you realize He came to bring the kingdom of God to us? For 2,000 years, we've been living this kingdom of God. We get a chance today to renew it and to appreciate its urgency and then to say, I want to live it. So how does one live it? Well, when I was in the seminary, Seminarians, uh, we, we lived there all the time, so we didn't go home uh, except about every six or seven or eight weeks. We'd go home for a weekend. And so, I don't know, I think you put all those guys together and they start getting snarky. And we said all kinds of dumb things to each other. I guess maybe all students do that. 
Um, but one of the things we'd say, and it was true, but it was said in a spirit that was meant to dig. If somebody said a, a bad word or said something mean about somebody else, uh, the seminary who was alert would always say this, is that what Jesus would say? Well, that shut the person up real fast. Is that what Jesus would say? But it's a valid question because we try to follow Jesus the way. He's the way. We try to follow him and do what he did, say what he said, live how he lived. And that doing what he did and saying what he said and living what he lived is what changes our hearts and makes us more like him. We even say in our faith, we, I can see Jesus in you. I can see Jesus in you and your actions. So, I want to propose to you something you might try. I'd say for the rest of your life, but do it for a week if you can. If you can ask yourself, especially every time that you feel something negative or say or do something negative, something meant to hurt, something meant to bug somebody, after you say it and you become aware, oops, there I went again. If you could ask yourself, I'll do the same, I do it. Say, Jesus, is that what you would have said? Or, Jesus, how could I have said that better? Or, Jesus, what would you have wanted me to do? Because if we never ask any one of those questions, we aren't probably going to become aware of it. In fact, we'll probably put all of our energy into um, justifying what we said. Say, well, they deserved it. Uh. The moment you say that, check it out. The moment you say they deserved it, ask yourself, Jesus, would you have said it that way? Is there a better way? And I guarantee you that if, the more that you, you and I ask that question, the more we open up that part inside of us, deep in our spirit, that, that's often so hidden, way deep down. And when we open up with that question, we begin to have things revealed to us, things that we become aware of, things that can transform us and change our hearts and our lives. Today, that's what Jesus is saying. The kingdom's here. Are you awake? Do you want the kingdom in your life? And he asks us that question because if we do say yes and we begin to seek the kingdom of God, he says, it will grow within you.